let me read the scripture to you. It says, it's Romans 10, 17. We all know this one. It says, faith comes by hearing. I'm talking to you about faith today, okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the word of God. So, you know, in the past few years, if you think about the church, overall, uh, past several years, really, like many years, there, overall, there has been a, a powerful emphasis in the church on the love of God, hasn't there? Yeah. I mean, there really has been. I mean, before that, if you've been around a long time, you would realize that emphasis was not there. It just wasn't something the Holy Spirit was, was promoting, what He was really trying to, to trumpet, so to speak. Uh, the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ have been two very powerful uh, revelations and truth that has come into the realm of the church for many years. And, and God is trying to ground us, be rooted and grounded in love. He's trying to build a foundation of love in the church, in the people of God. It's, and, and it's necessary. And uh, so we've not, you know, there's not been a, a great emphasis on faith. Right? I mean, there's an, always an emphasis on all these things, but it's not been like the thing that the Spirit of the Lord has just hovered over and rested on. But I believe the faith of God is on the rise. I really do. Because, and, and, and here's the truth, because faith works through love. Okay, faith, that's why Galatians 5, 6, faith works through love. So anytime God is emphasizing the, the love of God, when the Spirit's emphasizing the love of God, you can bet the faith of God is going to get activated because faith works through love. Uh, anytime God re, uh, talks about the revelation of grace, whenever that's being released, you can bet on this one thing because the Bible says it's through grace and faith we're saved. If you study the... So it's not just faith alone. It's not grace alone. Grace always seems to function with other things like faith, righteousness, truth. You always kind of find a, a grace couple with something else. If you go and read your Bible, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Grace and glory, grace and truth, grace and power. It's, it's right there in the word of the Lord. And so God has been bringing that. And so when a grace comes, something else is coming with it. And I believe faith it's really on the, 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 the heart of the Lord. And it's on my heart. He's put it in my life. Because I believe we're in a time of, we're in time where God is going to bring people into their spiritual inheritance. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. That's what he's been talking to me about for over a year now. He wants to bring people into their inheritance. It could be natural things. It can be spiritual things. It could be many things. You know, whatever God, whatever it means to you. And we're also in a time where the acts of God are on the Lord's heart. The acts of God. The acts of God. Come on, y'all. Acts of God. God is not interested in a church that sits around all the time. And all, listen, okay, understand what I'm telling you. I love revival. I love the move of the Lord. And I always will. But I have this other love that has grown in my heart now. I have a love for what I just read to you. Because if all we do is sit around and want to have wonderful church meetings, revival meetings, and that's all we do for our life, we have missed the mark. We've missed the mark. Because out of those things have to come something else. They have to. We have something called the Great Commission. We have something called the King Kingdom of God. We have a king. And we're kings and priests, and he really wants us involved in his kingdom and doing his kingdom work. We're co-laborers with Christ. Okay, and I believe, I believe in these things, stuff like this, whatever, you know, whatever it is, in these things, we're going to find the, discover the thing that we, our hearts long for. We're going to discover the move of the Lord. We're going to discover dreams and visions. and We're going to discover all these things because God, you know, listen, God, listen, listen to me. Jesus would spend time with the disciples. He would hang out with them. He would talk to them. But Jesus also spent a lot of his time on the margins of society. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He spent a lot of time with poor people. He spent a lot of time with hurting people. That's what Jesus did. I'm going to say this. I think I've said this. In Matthew 25, Jesus comes back. It says he comes, that's the, when he comes back to the earth. In his glory, the king returns with the angels. That's, oh boy, that's cool. Yes. 
But you know what he does? He says the nations gather. He gathers the nations to him. And he begins to separate. That's what he does. He, and he has, and see, that's ultimately in God's eyes, there's only one, you know, there's only one separation. Sheep, goats. I didn't make that up. He made that up. And so this is what he said. Here's the sheeps. Sheeps, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was a foreigner, you invited me in. When I was poor, you were there for me. Now, he wasn't saying that you're sheep because you did those things. He was saying if you are a sheep, you're going to do those things. In other words, in God's eyes, it wasn't, oh, you were a great preacher. Or, oh, you, you were an awesome worship leader. Or you were an awesome creative person. Or just name it. You know, you're an awesome businessman. Or you, you did this awesome. No, none of that mattered to him at that moment. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? Now, I believe God wants to impart that thing to you. I believe he wants to put that in us. Because it's in him. And so what he's done in my life, I'm just sharing from my heart, is that he put that, he began to speak to me about those things. Where in the past, I don't, you know, those were a part of my life, but I never really had the Holy Spirit pressing those things on me like that. Putting those things in me. So, so why not? Why not have a hunger for the presence of the Lord to come when we gather together and enjoy the presence of the Lord but why not have something else? Why, why limit our Christian life to that? Why limit, limit our Christian life to just wanting to have a, a, a wonderful experience in the Lord? If, if that's all we've done, we need to take a step back and, and ask Jesus to help us. Amen? I'm, I'm, not, I'm just telling you something. So that's why I say faith is... Faith is on the arise, the faith of God, because we can't do any of these things. We can't have a, a relationship. We can't encounter the presence of the Lord. Some people don't encounter the presence of the Lord when they come into a, a meeting where the Lord's moving because their faith is not activated. Everything's by faith. If, if all you're doing, oh, I wish I wasn't talking about this right now, but I just want to say, if all you're doing is coming to church and everything that's happening around you is based on your feelings, you've missed the mark. Everything's based on faith in the kingdom. We don't try to... Feelings are great. Feelings are wonderful. They're something God has given us, but they're to serve us, not to rule us. In other words, we don't make... We we should not be judging things based on our feelings. That's a mistake. Am I talking to anybody in this room? God's looking for for, for His faith to rise in some hearts. And when his faith begins to rise in your heart, something's going to happen. So, mm, mercy, Lord. Yes, it is. Who said that? All right. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Pam. Oh, yeah, let me just say that. I forgot to give my, finish my announcement I was doing about this. So that's something you can do. Also, if you're interested in what we prayed about, or, you know, praying about the government, um, you know, we are, this crisis pregnancy center, you just reminded me, right here in town. Um, somehow you can, you can donate to that, or you can, probably if you're a woman, you can serve that. I don't know about men, but anyway. Men are mentors, okay. Some of you young men could be mentors, right? You don't have to be a husband to be a mentor. You can be a single guy. You can be young. Uh, and then also the love life. Uh, I love the. I like the love life because it's, I feel like it's something I can practically do. Is go and pray and see God do things. See, you know what they do. You know they pray and they have seen over and over. Women have decided not to have abortions on the day people were there praying. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I think the time we went, twelve women decided. I think it was twelve. Twelve women decided not to kill their babies that day. That's powerful. And so the, ultimately the, the highest thing will be just turn the laws around uh, and change people's life, you know, and change the government. But anyways, I love all that. I think Jesus loves all that. That's what I think. So 
All right, let me get back and try to do this message. Are, are y'all good? Yes. Ooh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I just want <laughs> to. I just wanted to tell you a few things the Lord's been speaking to me about faith, okay? And maybe he'll speak to you. This is, is this verse I read, faith comes by hearing. And so, uh, so really we could say faith comes through relationship, listening and talking, right? That's how we, uh, relationships are built on communications, right? Faith comes through communication, God speaking to you. You speaking to God. You t- we call it prayer. We make it ridiculous sometimes. Well, I don't, you know, it's just having a conversation with God and, God and listening to God and allowing God to speak. So faith is not based on some outward thing. Faith's not a formula. It's not, faith is not something to get God to do something. Faith is a relationship with a person. It's not some steps that we take to try to get God to do the things we need Him to do in our life. It's based on this relationship. Paul said this is what Paul said. He said, I know, I know who I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what he's entrusted. I know, he, I know this person. And because I know this person, this faith has arisen in my heart. And that, that faith has persuaded me of something. Faith comes by here, and it comes, and, and when we begin to hear God and have this communication, this revelation of God, then our, we're, we're, there's this persuasion that'll begin to come up in us. We'll be starting to feel persuaded about things because we'll, we'll know it's God speaking to us. And so we, that's, that's how this thing works. Honestly, that's how, how God started speaking to me about this, you know, about the, the, the acts of God. God began to speak that to me, and this persuasion began to rise in me about that. I, this persuasion that God's on the margins. He's on the margins of society, and He's doing stuff out there. And if we want to be with Him, it's not just gathering together. That's important, but it's also being on the margins where He's at because He calls us to be there. See, that didn't come from me You're reading the Bible. It's obvious in the Bible. I've been reading the Bible for years, but it's never like started persuading me. It started persuading my thinking and my actions. I know whom I believed. Relationship. Communication. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to communicate to you. He wants you to hear Him. He wants you to talk to Him and engage Him. And when you begin to do that, you'll start feeling this thing in you. And I'll tell you something. God's talking. I mean, He's talking. He's talking more than ever in my life. Are y'all all right? All right, here, let me read uh, Hebrews eleven three. 3. Um, by faith, we understand that the world's were framed by the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? So that the things which were not... Uh, which which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Isn't that powerful? Listen to the uh, definition to this the, the word framed. It means to arrange. It means to set in order. It means to equip. It means to adjust. It means to complete what is lacking. It means to make fully ready. It means to repair. And it means to prepare. Isn't that powerful? So the question we have to ask ourselves, what's framing your world? What is framing your world? Who's framing your world? Is it Hollywood? Is it social media? I promise you there's people in this room, social media is framing your world. Is it somebody's opinion of you, good or bad? Are they framing your world? See, we've got to ask ourselves, what's framing me? Is it the nightly news? Is that framing you? Is it somebody in your past that's maybe even dead now that had a bad opinion of you and said things to you and did things to you and they're framing your world to this day? Here's the truth. We need to ask ourselves that question. We really do. What's framing your world? When you feel down, what's framing you? When you feel up, what's framing you? 
Because I, here's, the, here's the ultimate truth. Whatever's framing you other than the word of the Lord, eventually it's going to fail you. Eventually it's going to leave you short. Eventually it's going to leave you out. Are y'all with me? And so what we got to learn how to do is allow the word of the Lord to frame us. So here's what we can do. Word of the Lord, come to me. Say that, word of the Lord, come to me. Word of the Lord, frame me. Oh, let me tell you, if you'll start praying that, let me, I promise you this, I really believe this. I'm 99.9% sure this will happen to you. When I started really praying that, guess what started happening to me? I started hearing the word of the Lord more. I started hearing God's thoughts more. I started hearing, hearing the Holy Spirit more. He started telling me stuff like, ah, that's not for you to be involved in. Good things even. This past week, somebody was talking about, like, oh, man, this is this, this, this. Power on you. And all the man, I heard the Holy Spirit, nope, that ain't yours. And I was actually like, yeah, I want that. I mean, yeah, right? You hear what I'm telling you? Frame me the word of the Lord. I want you to prepare me. I want you to complete what's lacking in my life. I want you to assist me. I want you to bring me into fullness. Word of the Lord, come into my life. I pray it over my children all the time. I pray it over Becky all the time. I'm praying it over this church. Word of the Lord, come. Come, we invite you, word of the Lord. That's what we're looking for. And if you'll begin to pray that way, man, I mean, as a grandparent, praying it over your grandkids is amazing because you can see God do stuff in them. You can see God's hand move in their life. They don't even know it, but he's doing it. So that's really, really important is for us to begin to look at the things in our life that's framing us. Okay? It really is. And ask the Lord to reveal to you what's framing you that's not of him. Spiritual Christian trends should not be framing you. That's a very dangerous framing. It's, it's, it's not good. Uh, certainly the world's trends should not be framing you. And, tr- and truthfully, the people who have opinion of you that count, that's the ones you should be listening to, not people who don't count. I mean, so you, I mean, I'm not big into social media thing, but I, I just understand if you, you can put stuff on social media and people will fuss at you because of what you posted. Who cares what they think? I mean, honestly, do I care? I don't know you. You're not in my life. You, you've not walked where I've walked. You've not suffered what I've suffered, you know? And I don't, and, and vice versa, I shouldn't be giving my bad opinions about them. Even if I think, oh, they're wrong. Yeah, they ain't right. But it's not my job to tell them they're wrong. It's the people in their world. Anyways, I'll get off on that. Anyway, so the Word of God framed the worlds. So here's the question. How, does it, how, did the word, how do we get the Word of God to frame us? I already told you, but this is really cool. Genesis chapter 1, this is what it said nine times in Genesis chapter 1. Then... God said, nine times, God framed the world with what he said. Now, let's get practical. This is how faith is practically released in your life. It's what you're saying. Okay? Now, this is a a big subject. Okay? Is our words and what we say because that's what the Bible over and over teaches us is our words guide our life. Our words determine the course of our life. Okay? And so what we have to learn how to do is begin to have the right words and begin to speak the right thing. You know, one of the things that uh, has really... Well, let me read this one verse here, 2 Corinthians 4.13 because this is something Louise mentioned earlier about the spirit of faith. You see, when he says spirit of faith, he's not talking about natural faith. Like everybody in this room has natural faith that when you sit in that chair, it's going to hold you up. That's natural, right? We're talking about something spiritual. We're talking about the faith of the Son of God. It says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, okay, we have that in us. 
according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. I believed, therefore I spoke. That's Paul's talking now. I believed, therefore I communicated something. That was the spirit of faith in him getting released through his tongue, through his mouth, through his words. We also believe and therefore speak. We also believe. Well, let me tell you about speaking because I've learned a lot about speaking. Listening should always precede speaking. Listening, I'm telling you, you need to listen to God. You need to start learning how to listen. James 1.19 says, Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. You know, when we went up there, Matthew asked us to come up and talk to his new elders, you know, have a meeting with them and tell them all kinds of good elder stuff. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I can read you Bible verses all day, I mean, you know, about being a good elder. And we did some of that, which was awesome. But shoot, these people are real elders. They don't need me to tell them Bible verses. My thought was, they don't need me. They are already elders. That's why they're sitting in this room. All I need to do is encourage them. But one thing I told them was, was this about learning how to listen, not only to God, but to people. You know, when I was a younger pastor, I always, you know, you always feel like you feel pressured to have answers. I don't know. We all have felt that, no matter what lot of life you're carrying, is you feel pressure to have the answer, and which can be very destructive to you, especially if God throws you into situations where there is no answer, and you're struggling, like you get a call in the middle of the night and somebody has suddenly passed away that shouldn't have passed away. That's an impossible. There's no words that can be given. And I had to learn the hard way to go and be quiet and just be around people and over the years that the Lord has helped me to just listen to people if I just listen to them people are telling me stuff about themselves because see here's what happens we don't realize out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks people can I, I, I learned this you know I've done a lot of spiritual what I call pastoral counseling and inner healing and deliverance with people as I figured this little thing out years ago about that Instead of trying to figure out what was wrong with them, listen to them. They'll tell you what's wrong with them, and then they will tell you the solution to it. I'm serious. 90% of the people, they'll tell you exactly what's wrong with them, and they'll tell you what they need to do. And all you've got to do is repeat it back to them. Well, here's what your problem is, and this is what you do. And they think you've got some kind of great gift. Like, no, I just listen. you got a great gift. But all people, everybody wants somebody to hear them. And so we need to become better listeners, okay? And when we begin to listen, we're going to start hearing not only people talk, we're going to start hearing God talk. Because God talks through people all the time. God is saying stuff through people all the time. And some of it will sting you if you're really listening. Because it's like the Spirit of God juicing them as a sword. They're not trying to. They're just having a conversation. They're not preaching. They're not quoting Bible verses. They're just talking. They're talking out of their heart. And something's in their heart from God. And it goes right into you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And so I've, I'm not saying I'm there. But I'm on the journey of becoming a listener. And listen to people. And listen to what they say. But here's another thing I hear from people all the time. Is I hear people saying stuff that's destructive to them, and they don't even know it. It's, it's, they're saying things. They're building their world through a negative, negative words that they're saying. You hear what I'm saying to you? And, and we, we all do that time to time, but we need to be careful, you know, what we're saying with our words. One of the things that has been helpful in my life, and listen, y'all, I'm not into the devil, at all. I don't get up thinking about the devil. I don't go to bed thinking about the devil. I don't think about the devil through the day. But one thing I do, I've learned to do, is I've learned to talk to the devil. Why have I learned to talk to the devil? Because Jesus talked to the devil. Jesus spoke to the devil. Jesus spoke to demons. Okay, Jesus spoke to trees. Jesus spoke to storms. 
And so what we got to do, Mark 11, speak to your mountain, speak to your problem. And I've told people over and over this, this is, I had to learn this the hard way. I didn't speak to my problems for a long time, and every night I'd get in bed, they'd talk to me. <laughs> every night I would lay my little head down tired, all of a sudden my problems would start speaking to me. And when I began to speak to them, like, shut, I don't have, you have no right to speak to me. You can start telling the devil, you don't have a right to speak to me. You're not my counselor. You're not my friend. You don't belong in my life. I don't want to hear anything you got to say. Get out. And when we begin to take that authority, when we begin to speak those things, the devil has to listen. But because, but because we're not listening, before we speak, lots of times we speak amiss. So everything goes back to listening, listen to the Lord and begin to listen. Because the Lord showed me all this. I was listening to him and he said, you need to tell that thing to stop. Tell what thing, Lord? It's a problem. I can't make the problem stop, but you can make it stop talking to you. And when it stops talking, then you can start hearing something else. A lot of you are ate up with your problems this morning. Your mind is full of problems. That's the voices you hear in your mind is all your problems. And those voices are drowning out the voice of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all following this? And so we need to begin to speak to those problems and tell them to hush. I don't care what you think about tomorrow. Because your attitude about tomorrow and your thoughts tomorrow is not really why I'm living my life. And as you begin to do that, like Becky shared recently, little by, it, it, that mountain may not move immediately, but brick by brick, stone by stone, it will be cast away from you. And one day it will collapse in front of you. It really will. But you have to just begin to do these kind of things. This is how faith really works. Are y'all following this? And if you, Jesus told us to do this. Otherwise, he wouldn't have spoke to that fig tree. He didn't want to kill the fig tree. He wasn't out, I'm going to destroy some, some environment here today and speak to this tree. No, that wasn't what he was doing. He was trying to teach us something. He was trying to get us to see something. And when we begin to do what Jesus said to do and what he modeled, things will begin to shift in our life. And so I want to encourage you, begin to Listen. Don't have answers heard. Begin to listen. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. When somebody's talking, listen. Don't just listen to the audits, ooh and on. <laughs> That's ridiculous. What is wrong with me? <laughs> Craziness. <laughs> you tell the devil some stuff. Tell him. Just tell him. Hey, you don't, you're out of here. Get out. You're beat. Take it. <laughs> I like when we sing this song. That's what I say to the devil. Take it, devil. You're beat. <laughs> Death has no hold on me. Take it. <laughs> You don't have a hold on me. God, you know, this, this is the way it works in the spiritual realm. All right, let me read this other verse. I got four more minutes, right? Matthew Bowen said I was long-winded. I'm thinking, no, man, you want me to come to the church and speak, and then you tell me when I'm after so with, Byron's making excuses for being so long-winded. Oh, mercy, Lord. I'm going to get Matthew to come and speak one Sunday pretty soon. Well, I already told him, let me know when you can. So, hey, and that was great. Y'all, if you didn't like hear his message last Sunday, listen to his message. That was a very good word about judging, right? You know, and about allowing people to speak into your life. I loved your body odor. <laughs> his body odor example, like, wow, that did it. That was the explanation point. That was so real. I love real stuff. And that was a great message. Corey's a very good communicator. You know, we were blessed to have a lot of, you know, Corey, Marlon. Marlon's going to start back preaching in March. He took a little break. Uh, Ryan and Will. Will's an amazing preacher. These are all younger men. These are the next generation of preachers that's going to really have a major impact on the body of Christ, I think. Um, by faith, this is Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27. This is really will help you, I think. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Listen to this. Choosing. Everybody say choosing. <laughs> choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. 
esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches and the treasures than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. This is faith. This is the down and dirty faith here, folks. This is faith like see, because this is faith always involves a choice. Moses did not do all this out of some spontaneous, amazing moment. Okay? Moses thought through what he was doing. It says he chose, which means a decision was made. He thought about what it was going to cost him to do what he did. He counted the cost. He made a choice. You see, faith always involves choice. You know the old saying, which is a very powerful saying, you make your choices and your choices make you. And that's true. Choice is one power that God has given every human being. And it is very powerful. And we're all here today. We're all at whatever place you are in your life based on some choices that you've made. Lots of times we're blaming God for where we're at, but really we're the ones who made some choices. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Choice is a very powerful thing. Okay? But choice with faith together is amazing. So you see, you know, faith a process. I said that two or three weeks ago when I talked about faith. Faith a process. Faith, there's ups and downs with faith. And let me just say it right here. Faith is very messy. Okay, this was a very messy situation for Moses to walk into. Very messy, very difficult, very challenging. And if you're going to live a life of faith, you're going to have some messes because life is messy. Faith doesn't mean everything's going to be beautiful and sweet all the time. It was not beautiful and sweet all the time for Moses. It was very trying for Moses. And very, but Moses had wisdom. He understood this. He looked at life, looked at what was laid before him. I got Egypt. I got God. I got this thing God spoken to me. What am I going to do? And he made a choice in faith. And then he began to live that choice in faith. Okay? And so faith really is a, a very difficult it, can, it, it walks with you through this difficulty and through, through the messes of life. So, so people of faith, people of real faith, live messy lives. They have disappointments and, and, and bad days and discouragement, just like a person who's not living in faith. Faith doesn't say everything's going to be wonderful, but I'll tell you what faith does. It guarantees us victory when we're walking in faith. It, we're guaranteed this is our victory is faith. I think that's such a, an amazing and beautiful thing. You know, one of the things about faith is faith doesn't deny facts. It doesn't deny impossible. It, does, it denies none of that stuff. You, you can say, well, but it doesn't. And it would agree, like, yeah. But it just sees something greater. It decides to not live based on the messiness. The, the terrible facts, the terrible situation. It has chosen something greater to live from. And that's what faith is. Now, listen, I wanted to tell you this story, and then I can end. Y'all want to hear this story? It's my messy faith story, okay, and, I'm, and, and how I felt. And when I was walking through this, I didn't feel like I was a man of faith, okay? I felt opposite. I felt like a man of failure, Okay, but that was deception operating. And I le- I've learned all this since. So here, here's how this whole story started. And some of y'all have walked through this story with us, but I'm telling you from my side. Is we decided, this is seven or eight years ago in this church, we decided we wanted to upgrade the look of the church. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like your house. Every once in a while you need to go in and spiff it up. You know, put some new stuff in. And, and so... We embarked on this campaign to raise money, which I hate that. See, I came from the generation of Christian television, okay? This is before they had social media. Christian television was this, send me your money and you'll get blessed. When the only person getting blessed was the guy getting the money. So we had this opposite reaction, okay? Our reaction was never talk about money in church, you know? I mean, we went to the other... Pendulum, and I was on that pendulum. I didn't like talking about money. You know, like, oh, nobody wants to talk about money, you know, money, money, money. So, but we decided we was going to remodel the church, and, 
It took money to do it, and we decided we're going to raise the money from the church. Like, oh, Lord, help. Okay, well, I can do that talking to people generally. Okay, so we did that, and people started giving, you know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks. And I was looking at it and thinking, it'll take 40 years. I'll, only, I'll be dead by the time they remodel the church. We'll never get the money, $50. And I was thankful for every dime. Believe me, $50 to some people, that's a massive, it wasn't that. It was just like, this, this plan is not going to work. So I was praying one day saying, Lord, what? Just give the money. Why do we have to do this? Just give us the money. Well, you know the Lord's not going to do that. So anyways, I'm praying and asking the Lord, Lord, give me your mind on this. I just need to hear from you. Maybe we shouldn't do it. I'm good not to do it. But we're never going to get the money like this. And I don't want to talk about it every two weeks. Because I don't like talking about money, Lord. And so this idea came in my mind. Just like, wow, that's a great plan. I just wish I didn't have to do this. And the plan was the Lord gave me some people. Some people came to mind. He said, ask these people to give you X amount of money. And they were, this is what they were. There was $10,000 people. There were $5,000 people. There were $2,000 people, and there were $1,000 people. That's what he told me to do. And I had these people all wrote down. I said, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to ask a $5,000 person. And I hated to do it, honestly. I'm telling you, you're talking about getting out of your comfort zone. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Great, Byron, good to hear you. What's up, man? Hey, would you be willing to give the church $5,000 to remodel it? I sure would. Wow. Thank you. So I went down. I had a list of people. I went down there and I had one person who told me no. And you know what they said? Byron, why are you calling me? I'm in financial calamity and you want $2,000 from me. I can't do it. He just yelled at me. I thought, oh, that's cool, man. I'm good. Later he gave it. God must love you. Here's the money. Literally, like he does love me. So it, it was amazing. We got all the money. We did the remodel. Okay, it was awesome. And we were really happy about it. And we were proud of ourselves. We did the work ourselves. So it was really a beautiful thing. The whole thing was just beautiful. And it made me a little more courageous when it comes to money. Yeah, but y'all know I don't ask for a whole lot of money. But so that was like in, in June we did that. And, and in the meantime, we had like two, like two of the, the fathers, spirit, my personal spiritual fathers, Arthur Burt and Bob Jones, came to our church and spoke a word to us. And it was the same word. It was like one came, and two weeks later, Arthur Burt came, gave us this word, and he was like 100 years old, man. You know, you get a word from a 100-year-old prophet, you better listen, Right? <laughs> Because he'd had everything beat out of him. He wasn't giving no false words. And he said, you know what I'm saying? He didn't have anything to gain. He never did. He didn't care. You know. He, he never did anything. He did, he did stuff based on what God told him to do. And that was it. And he was happy about it. And he didn't care what happened after that. He, I did what God told me to do. Moving on next. So he came. It was really sweet. And he gave us a word. The word was the best that's in front of you. Like, oh. Wow, thank you, Lord. God's going to do something. Because we'd been through, a, been through a hard season. Are y'all hearing this? Okay, we'd been through a hard season. So it's like we're coming out of this hard season now. We're coming into a time of blessing. Things are going to change. That, that's what it felt like, especially coming from a man like that. Two weeks later, Bob Jones comes, gives the exact same word. And I said, Bob, did you know that Arthur was here a couple of times? I didn't know that. I didn't know he was even over here. I said, did you know what he shared? He said, I didn't. I told him, he said, it's God. And he said, the son of righteousness is rising over this church with healing. And you're coming out of something. Oh, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, God. We've remodeled the church. We, we're just, and so we're here one Sunday. This is in August, a few weeks later, just having the best time singing this beautiful song. Listen. I have a plan for you. Remember that song? It's going to be good. It's going to be wild. But it's going to be full of me. So I was like ecstatic. 
Because not only have we got the words, the worship was singing the word to us. I was happy. I was in heaven. And all of a sudden, dust starts falling in the room. And noises. And what happened? It sounded like, yeah, it sounded like somebody dropped a refrigerator on the roof. Well, long story short, evidently, based on structural engineers, great wisdom, when y'all did this remodeling, there was a bad truss in your building. And somehow, that bad truss messed up. And every truss in this building broke. Every truss in this room, every one of them broke. That's what all that noise was. It pushed the walls out a foot. The walls are pushed out. The ceiling was collapsing in. There was cracks in the wall. It was terrible. So, oh, yeah. You know what makes it real terrible? Give me five more minutes, okay? <laughs> this is the messy. I'm talking about messy faith. I hadn't gotten to the point. This is what made it really terrible. It was the day the kids were going to Camp Morley. And so we had all these kids in here, and they were just, you know, out of control, wild and happy. Okay? And, and normally I would just like, oh, I'm in the middle of them wild and happy. out of control. But that day, I wasn't feeling it. Because all of a sudden this roof's falling in, and one of our guys, I'm not going to mention names because they, they don't really want this. He said, you need to get everybody out of that sanctuary. That's what he said, get them out. This is dangerous. And he said, you need to get an engineer over here right away to look at this. So I got this engineer to come. as a structural engineer, came that afternoon, looked at it. He went up there in the ceiling, did what he's came, came back. And he said, yep, there's nothing holding this, this building up. Y'all should be dead. So he told me, everybody in this room should be dead. It should have fallen. There's nothing holding. He said, I could fix it. He said, but unfortunately, I don't have time to fix it. I'm too busy in my work. I'm going to have to condemn this building. And I thought, condemn? You can't condemn this building. That's why I said, you can't condemn it. You're not going to do that. He said, I'm, yeah, I am too. I have legal right to. He said, tomorrow morning, I'm going to make a phone call, and I'm going to condemn the building. I thought, oh, God, help. <laughs> That's what I thought. I, I don't think we're supposed to condemn the building. So I said, listen, there's nothing you can do, man. I said, there's something you can do, right? He said, yeah. He said, if you'll have another, you know, registered structural engineer call me within 24 hours and tell me that he's going to take responsibility of this building, then he has it. I said, okay, great. I said great, but inside of me I was crying. So I went home. Like, Becky, you know, the building is going to be condemned. You know, this may be the end of our church. This may be the end of our ministry. This is it. I mean, I'm thinking, we were asking, Lord, and we got and we prayed. We cried and prayed and said, Lord, listen, this church is not our church. It never was our church. And if we ever had the idea that it was ours, we're sorry. But if you want it to end, we're good with that, Lord. If you want it to go on, we're good with that. If you want to take us out and the church go on, we're good. If you want my ministry to end, Lord, we're good because, Lord, we're in this with you. And if you're not in this with us, if, if, we're, if you're saying you're done, we're done. We're, we'll be happy. We're, we're hurting. We're, we're sorrowful. We're messed up. We're confused. But we're going to follow you, Lord, no matter where you lead us. If you lead us out the door and I need to go and do something else to you know, provide, I'm, I will do that, Lord. And so I even offered to resign. I told the elders, I'm, I'm willing to let it go because I thought, well, if I'm going to tell the Lord that, I need to, to be real with it and get it down here in the earth realm. And they were generous and said, no, don't do it. So I got this, we got this other engineer to come. Now, he, here, this old engineer, he's this old school engineer. If you're in the engineer world, you realize there's these modern engineers, then there's these old school ones. And the old school ones, you don't mess with. You know, they are in charge. In other words, whatever they say is like God talking. And I, I, I've worked with engineers back my other engineer, Chris. So I, when I saw that, oh, yeah, I know, how to, I know how to talk to him. I know how to get down on your knees and bow to him. <laughs> that's what you do. The other guy was younger. That's why I would say, you can't do that. <laughs> so he gets up there and has a little light on his head. Funny. He crawls right up in there. This man is, um, was an amazing engineer. Did amazing work. Came back down there and said, yep, nothing holding, nothing holding the roof up. This place is really dangerous. He said, I can fix it, though, if you want me to. I said, I want you to. 
I said, will you call this guy? He said, I'll call him. Don't worry about it. He said, I'm fixing it under one condition. And this is a condition. I take authority of this building. And nobody comes in this building unless I say they do. And that starts with you. So I told him, I said, have at it. <laughs> you can have it. So I get home, and I had this email. Well, I told, we had an elders meeting. Oh, Lord, let me tell you about this elders meeting. I was, <laughs> I was bad in this elders meeting. I felt sorry for Jacob early because he had just started a few weeks ago being the worship guy here. He was the worship leader. So he's in this meeting with us, and I thought that was a mistake looking back because it was vicious. I mean, we ain't talking about no nice meeting. I was being the biggest jerk in that meeting possible because we were trying to figure out what to do. We didn't have no money. We had nothing. We had already spent all our money. We were broke. We were busted. And everybody was coming up with these thoughts like you do, and I didn't like any of them. That ain't going to work. No, mm-mm. I was fussing. I'm fussing. I was being very difficult. I was bad. I had to repent, you know, because I was looking. I was looking for the answer, not a, just a bunch of little answers. I wanted the answer, how to how to go forward. But there's one thing we all agreed on: God wants this church to go forward. We had that. So, go home, get this email, and the email was this: Byron, the best crew in this area is available, and they can be here tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. So I just thought, tell them to come on. Thinking, oh, God, what are the elders going to say? Because we have no money to pay him. But I said, yeah, tell them. And I was waiting the next morning. Here comes the guy. And so he comes in. He looks around. Yeah, yeah, we can do this, this, and that. You know, he started talking. About, I said, well, we need to have a conversation first. I said, here's the conversation. I'm just 100% honest with you. We don't got no money to pay you. I said, but I do, I will tell you this. I guarantee you, I promise you, when the first invoice comes, you will have your money. Because I know it is not in the Lord's heart for you to come in here with your men that are having to feed their families and for them not to get paid. And I will make sure, I promise you, you'll get your money. I said, you're just going to have to trust the Lord with me. He said, okay, I'll trust the Lord with you. (laughs) He was a believer. (laughs) He was a Baptist guy. I said, I couldn't believe he said that. I was like, really? <laughs> I thought he was packing his tools up. I'm out of here. These people are stupid. <laughs> really, you idiot? You think I'm going to work for free? First thing he said, he said, well, I'm going to go and get some scaffolding because there's nothing holding the roof up like the next guy. I'm going to get this scaffolding. Go ahead. That's the first thing we're going to put this, move some stuff around and get this scaffolding. He said, yeah, I'm getting a deal on it. It's only $100 a day to rent it. So every day we would spend a hundred bucks. That's what I did. I come to my church. Oh, we just spent another hundred dollars that we didn't have. That didn't include any of their work. Every day I'd come by here, I'd run like, oh, there's a hundred bucks. Just spend it a hundred bucks, one hundred dollars a day, and I don't got z- and I got zero. And and we got to find another place to meet at. Got no money. All that. Well, when the first invoice came, it was like twenty four thousand something. God miraculously gave us the money. Okay? And over and over, God, I don't want to go into that part. That's the beautiful part, the amazing part. But, but let me just, here's what I'm saying. Here's the reason that I believe is a decision, what I just read to you, a choice was made. The choice, do we believe it is in the Lord's heart for this church to go on? That was the choice. Yes, it was messy, it was difficult, but because there was this belief, there was not a doubt, I was able to speak to that man and say to that man, with my words, you will have your money. And because I said that, that released God to do what God did, is move on people's heart. We literally had a woman come one day, we had another invoice come, who came, I want to give an offering to the church. I'm thinking, 200 bucks? Yeah, thank you. Where's an envelope? And we were sitting there going, driving ourselves crazy trying to figure out where we're going to, we had this $9,000 bill coming. Was it 16? And this woman wrote us a check that didn't even go to this church. $16,000. We didn't know it. Stuck it, like, stuck it in the envelope. Yeah, thank you, Lord bless you. I think maybe 160 bucks. You know what I mean? I'm thankful. I'm thankful, but I had this burden on me at that moment that was just laying on top of me. 
you know, I'm thinking, all right, MasterCard. You know, I can always get that thing out, get them money. I mean, you know, I'm just feeling all this stuff. Old great man of faith, right? (laughs) But when you're in those places, that's what I want you to hear. Something, there needs to be something in us that there's a persuasion in us, a faith in us that we can begin to speak. Now, it may not feel good. All that felt terrible to me. Oh, it felt good at the moment to give them the money, but here's what I thought every time. Oh, thank you, Lord. That was awesome. But two weeks, two more weeks, there's another. Where's that coming from, Lord? You know? You hear what I'm saying to you? God wants to bring us and help us to see that it is messy. Life is messy. When God even does miracles many times, they don't feel wonderful and miraculous. You know, because we're living in this world that's messy for everybody, and we're trying to walk through it. But if you'll begin to see, I wasn't seeing all this. I wasn't seeing that what I was doing was having an effect on what God was doing. And it was because God had made a decision. I didn't make it. He made it, and God wanted this church to go on. We agreed with God somehow and was able to speak what God was speaking. And because he was able to speak what God was speaking, God did the part he could only do. Are y'all following this? It's just a messy testimony of faith, but it's our lives are messy. And that's what I want to get us out of this thing of thinking it's going to be fireworks. And it, and it can be that. It can be awesome. I'm not trying to ditch all that. In fact, I'll take that all day. But honestly, y'all, I have found that most of, of life we live is there's challenges, there's difficulties. It's, it's, it's not like being in some awesome time of worship. It's we're out here in life living when our words count. It's all out here in life doing what God's called us to do and being persuaded that we're doing that. Are y'all following this? Amen. So come on, Becky and Marlon. Yeah. Woo, mercy, Lord. Y'all okay? Yeah, I didn't hear no oohs and ahs, though. Come on, ooh. I felt, I felt like an idiot. Like, what in the what, Am I listening to the message or I'm listening to the congregation? Ooh, ah. Like, why did they do that just then? It was awesome. God is good. God, what Louise said, God wants to release that spirit of faith in people's hearts. God wants to release it. He wants to bring you up to another level. He wants to make your faith strong. 